Mother's Day to all the amazing moms. It is a great day. I'm just going to keep talking until I hear my microphone turn on. Hopefully you don't mind. Can you hear me? Is my microphone turning on? You don't need no microphone. I don't need a microphone? You don't need no microphone. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'm doing a series on David, and I thought, how do I get Mother's Day out of David? But don't worry, God has an answer for all things. So there, there, before I go into the story about David and this woman who's amazing, I want to just give you a little background on David a little bit, just to remind us of why we're here and what we're learning, is that David's our hero, but, and he was also a king. But before he was a king, he was just a guy, kind of like the guy in this room. And in this story, just prior to the story between David and this amazing woman named Abigail, David, just prior to this episode, he actually makes a very, very bad decision. David is being hunted by Saul. He's chased out of the palace, and he's on the run, and he goes to a priest, and, the, and, he, and, he, and he, he tells the priest that I'm here on behalf of Saul, even though he wasn't. So he lies to this priest, and this priest supports him under the guise that he's with Saul. And Saul follows up and hears that, that David went to this priest for support. And Saul goes over there and wipes out the entire village. And so David has just made a very, very bad, horrendous decision to do that. And it costs people their lives. You know, when you make a bad decision, the problem with that is you start making more bad decisions. And it kind of puts you on a road where you're headed toward other, other, other terrible choices that we're going to make. And so this is the, 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 the events before David meets this person on the road. Now, before David would lie, he would, he, he uh, saw actually killed all these people, there was blood on his hands, and so there's an incident that happens in the story that I'm going to share with you that's pretty exciting, but before I go into the, into the story, there's a rule to relationships, and the golden rule is, do unto others as you would have done unto, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, treat people the way you want to be treated. That rule is really good until someone offends you. That really, the rule is so good until you're the person that gets insulted or you're the person that gets offended. And then it's treat them the way they treated me. Isn't that how it is sometimes? Oh, you hurt me. Isn't that so natural, though? So David's, uh, David's about to make one of the biggest mistakes. Uh, just, just coming off the heels of a bad decision, he's about to make this terrible decision. He's about to kill people. And he gets saved the very last minute by a woman. Now, women have saved many men in, in society. Amen to that. Amen. It feels natural to pay back an injury for an injury. It feels natural. But what happens is that when we get mistreated, uh, we, we lose sight of what's right. We get, we get all caught up in the injury. Like, I'm hurt. There needs to be justice and we want, to, we want to lash out. And so we find ourselves 
in environments where we can't lash out, let's say you're at work and you're being mistreated, you can't get crazy there, you'll get fired. So put me in another environment where I'm like, and I'll start mistreating people. You know when you come home from work, you're frustrated, we take it out on the poor dog, the cat, the goldfish, the kids, the wife, the neighbor, whoever I can get my hands on because in this one environment, I can't really power up because, oh, I can't. And that's the situation David was in. He really couldn't do much about Saul chasing him. He was frustrated. He's on the run. And so let's start our story. About 1,000 B.C., David is a warrior. David is a warrior. David is a hero. He is well known. He killed Goliath. Um, King Saul becomes jealous of David. Uh, David marries uh, one of Saul's daughters. Saul's son, Jonathan, is one of his best friends. And so Saul is threatened by David, and so he runs him out of the palace, and David is on the run. And while he's on the run, there's the Philistines who are always trying to attack Israel, and David is not so popular in the Philistines' eyes because he killed their best warrior. He's a feared enemy. And so this kind of sets the background for the story of David and Abigail. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. But her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. So David's on the run from Saul. It's been a few years. He has about 600 loyal fighting men with him. And David and his men are just trying to survive. They're scraping by. And this is what I love about the Bible. It has these amazing stories in there. You should read the Bible sometime. If you don't read the Bible often, you should read these stories. They are amazing. So much detail. And so there's characters. You have David. He's kind of a fugitive. He's on the run. Then there's Abigail. She's intelligent. She's beautiful. And then there's Nabal. He's like mean. He's hard to deal with. It's kind of like if this Gustan had married Bella in Beauty of the Beast. It's like, it's like this, how did they get together? Because it was arranged marriages back then. But they're together in this crazy story. It's not a Disney story, but it's a crazy story. And there's Gustan, and, and there's Abigail. She's beautiful and smart, and he's terrible. Telling personality. And so the story is so, so rich with drama. The name, his name Nabal means fool. And that indeed he was. So verse 4 says, while David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. And just, let, me, let me explain what that means. It's a seasonal thing they do. Uh, if you're a herdsman and you own sheep, you take them out for almost about a year, and then you, 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 you set a time where that once a year, it, it really is a, a, a financial statement for your household. It's an annual paycheck. It's, it's when you find, find out how much money you made that year. And this guy had a lot of sheep because he was very wealthy. And it's a festive time. It's a generous time. You're making money. You're giving it some away. Just, it's just a time to be happy. Hey, everyone's getting paid. Our work's finally paid off. Here it is. And so during that festive time of him earning, earning money, 
In verse 5, it says, So David sent ten young men and said to them, Go to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now, I hear, I hear that it's sheep shearing time. When the shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men, since we've come at, at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son, David, whatever you can find for them. You know, part of the reason to be generous is that you are making a pretty good profit. You had a, you know, Nabal had a substantial profit. Um, and a lot of, and David's, in David's mind, like, hey, we were kind of watching out for you. We were looking after your sheep. We were looking after your finances. We were looking at, at, after your livelihood here while your shepherds and sheep were out in the wilderness. I was there too, protecting them from the Philistine raiders coming in. I was looking out for you. And David is not asking, he's not demanding. He's like, hey, can you give us something during this time? It's a happy time. Can you donate? Can you be generous? Can you give a little? And when David men, uh, David's men arrived, they gave Nabal his message in David's name. Then they wait. Nabal answered David's servant. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? Nabal's saying he's rogue. He's an outlaw. He's out of favor with the king. Besides, I didn't ask for his help. I didn't ask for his protection. I don't need him. I don't own anything. Why should I give what's mine? Why should I be generous to him? Why? This is my stuff. It belongs to me. Nabal is a nasty character, huh? This is the dynamic. This is, sets the stage for the drama. David's been looking out for this guy. He's been nice. He's been kind. And what does Gustan do or Nabal do? He's nasty. He's like, no. And then David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every single word that Nabal said. At this moment in the story, the soundtrack gets very ominous. You're watching the scene. They go, their Nabal is just going crazy. They go, okay, they go back and they tell David. And you can just, just picture in your mind going, David's like, okay, what's the report? What do you say? And, and you can just feel the drama. I protected that guy. I looked out for that guy. I was kind. When you're nice to somebody and you're kind to somebody and they mistreat you or they take you for granted or they insult you, they call you an outlaw. They call you a renegade. They call you out of favor with the king. They reject your help. David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. 
and David strapped on his as well. Do you know that self-control is a muscle? It's a muscle, like, you know, like, you know, you go to the gym, if you work out too much, your body goes, stop it. Your body gets like, hey, you need to chill out and relax a little bit. So it's like a muscle, it's like self-control, when, it's, when you work it out, you need to kind of take some time to relax and rejuvenate. You, you should have self-control, or if it's patience, you have a lot of patience. But at some point, that muscle gets worn out. And for David, he's been on the run for years. He's desperate for food. He's just running for his life. He's running from Philistine, from Saul. He's running around with his men, and they need food. And he was kind and able. And so his self-control muscle just goes, and snaps. You ever snap after being really good? Like, I was really good this week. And all of a sudden, on Sunday morning, you're like, It's like a muscle. We're holding on. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. And then someone mistreats us. Oh, boy. So there's David just trying to do the right thing. He's thinking, I should be, I should be in the palace. I should be king right now. My patience is worn out. My, my, I'm just tired. Israel hasn't embraced me yet. Man, should I join the Philistines? Should I join Saul? What should I do? And really, he starts to telegraph his anger. Right toward Nabal, because he has had it. I mean, really, King Saul is just chasing him down, but Nabal is right now the object of his wrath. You know how they say hurt people hurt people? Hunted people hunt people too. And, and David, he, and he, we can relate to this, because David, a lot like us, he starts to justify what he's about to do. You know when you snap, you start to justify, oh, I, this is right, and you start talking to yourself. That's when you know you're in a bad place. When you start justifying it to yourself in the car by yourself or in the bathroom or in the shower, you start telling yourself, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and we convince ourselves. David is moving in a horrible direction. He's going to wipe out Nabal, wipe out every man in his village. He is just going to just destroy that household because... He was insulted. And one of the servants, so the story goes, it shoots back to Abigail in the story. So you can see this guy, he's running to Abigail. One of the servants told Abigail, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give her master's greetings. But he threw insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. So it's this cool this little flashback. The servant telling Abigail, and he's like, dude, what David said was true. He was good to us. And he was nice to us. And he was kind. He didn't steal. And your husband Nabal insulted him. This guy killed Goliath. Imagine what the servant's thinking. He killed Goliath. <laughs> this guy's a warrior. And he was nice. He's the most feared man of the Philistines. And he was nice to us. Night and day, they were, all, they were like a wall around us the whole time. They were, we were herding our sheep near them. Now I think, now, now think it over and see what you can do. Because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household, which includes me. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. This was, this was Nabal's servants. That's how they felt about him. The servants are like, 
man, David protected us. He looked out for us. And Abigail, he, he insulted them. Abigail, I want you to think this over because come morning, we're dead. <laughs> think this over. And by the way, your husband's a wicked man, by the way. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to just go swing for the fence, it's like, we're dead. I'm dead in the morning. He's wicked. Sometimes don't talk that way to their masters. He's a wicked man. We're going to be dead anyway. Might as well just say it. I'm a goner. I'm a goner. Might as well say it. And then the Bible says this. Abigail acted quickly. I love the details of of the story. 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sea of roasted grains, 100 cakes of raisins, uh, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, and I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. She's a wise woman. (laughs) You know how that conversation would have gone. Sometimes you don't want to tell your wife you want to buy something. I'm not saying that. I'm just going to come home with it. What is this? What is this? I love the Bible because it's such a rich, dramatic story that relates to us. I mean, we, we find ourselves in the story. Abigail the, uh, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, she took action. She's so smart. She's so intelligent. She's going to go see David herself. That's brave. And Abigail doesn't... In- doesn't embrace her, her husband's bad attitudes. She was different. She was approachable. And, 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 and she reflects on, hey, my, my husband's not a generous man. And she loads up all this stuff. In other words, saying, I'm going to be generous to this person. He's actually good to us. She's grateful. She showed humility. And so the text keeps going. The story keeps going on. As she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. So she's coming down this, this, this pathway, and here's David and his, and his hundreds of men coming down the ravine. And she just, you just, just, just picture that. There she is going on the donkey. And it, it, in verse 21 it says, David had just said, it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David. You know you're in a bad place when you start talking about yourself in the third person. God deal with David, be it ever so severely. If by morning I leave alive one male of all that belong to him, everyone die. I want his family dead. I want his kids dead. I want his house burned to the ground. This is where she's going into. He's just got done thinking this. He's dead. I'm going to kill his kids. Everyone dies. This is the king. This is our hero. But isn't that feel so natural when you get insulted? We just turn that switch on because we get worn out too, don't we? And Abigail sees the snake of David's men. And David is about to let loose the rage. It's been building up. He's about to butcher innocent people. And David is angry because he's been mistreated. So he's decided to kill. He's tired. 
I'm going to pay, he, like, he's going to pay me back evil for good? No, that's not happening. This is an amazing story. This is where a man is the height of his, he's not doing great spiritually. And sometimes we as men, we're not doing great spiritually. And we have these moments. And here's Abigail, this woman. She's actually going to see him. And she's imagining he's got to be irritated. <laughs> I mean, he's coming down to our place. The servant's like, everyone's aware this guy's coming. And so Abigail, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet. And said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. You know what's so strange about this, this situation here? She's the wife of a wealthy man. David's an outlaw. David's a fugitive. David's a rogue. It's dangerous to associate with those kind of people. And it's just a matter of time before the king gets David and kills him. And then we're never going to hear about David ever again. Can you imagine what people are thinking? What are you doing, Abigail? And then she bows down to him. And I think this catches David off guard. This is the wife of the guy who insulted. Usually the, when you get one bad guy, the woman's not too far along sometimes in Bible stories. <laughs> Named Jezebel ring a bell? Sometimes they come in pairs. And so this catches David off guard. She's like, she's bowing. She's saying, your servant. She's not his servant. But she's acting like one. She's not his servant at all. And she begins to treat David as the man she hopes he will be. She begins to treat David as the man she hopes he will be. This is a great picture of how, you know, a great picture of when women can talk to men when we're not doing great. That's, right. That's why mothers are so awesome because sometimes it reminds us of the, the, the awesomeness of a mom. But the mom can be reminded on Father's Day next month, the awesomeness of dad, <laughs> of the man she hopes he will be. And I want you to take note of this because this is really cool. When you look toward the positive future, you know, you, you, women do this sometimes. They'll say something like, oh, I, I bet you can carry that trash can out with one hand. And the guy's like, I know what you're doing. Stop it. Oh, I bet you can probably take two trash cans and lift them over your head and take out all that trash. And we start going, and we go, yeah, I can do it. Yes. When you start to speak to our potential, when you start to speak the things we can do, yeah, I can do that. Stop doing that. I know what you're doing. Stop it. Man, I know you're the most handiest guy in the neighborhood. I'm, I'm sure you can, you know, refinish those, those bathroom caters. Stop it. Because we will do it. Even though we know what you're up to. We will do it. And this is what Abigail is doing. She is, she, is, she is having a conversation with David in hopes of the man that 
he will be. And then so it says, please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. She doesn't even call him her husband. He's just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him wherever he goes. And as for me, your servant, I did not see, my Lord. I did not, I did not see the men that you sent. I had no knowledge. I don't know what happened. I am like, wow, my husband's, my husband's a fool. Let's talk as if he didn't exist, okay? Let's just talk. <laughs> and so now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. You know, I love Abigail. She's doing the Jedi mind trick now. She's going, you're not going to be doing what you're planning on doing. And he was like, she says, since the Lord has already stopped you from doing this horrible thing, she begins to give David credit for being the better man than he actually is. Because he just got done saying, everyone's dead. And then she's saying, hey, thank you. I'm going to give you credit because you're the better man. Because since I'm here, God has kept you from avenging yourself. God has kept you from bloodshed. Wow. What a conversation. And you got, you got me. David is red hot. He's not like all calm. Like, hey, how's it going, Abigail? What are you up to? He's, he's like, well, like, get out of the way, donkey. Because I'm coming. You know, I think of that picture of Wider in that movie. Where he, where he sends his brother off. He's got, got killed and sends him off. Injured brother gets off. And that guy shouts, You tell me, I'm coming. Hell's coming with him. He's like full of rage. And there's Abigail. And she talked to him in hopes of the man he will be. And what a conversation when your husband's not doing great, huh? And then the story continues. I mean, don't you love the Bible? This is awesome. The Bible's amazing. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles. And no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. Abigail speaks to David's future. This long dynasty. God has something great planned for you. God has a future for you. Here's why. Because you're not a wrongdoer. You're a good man. You fight the Lord's battle. And then she uses this amazing imagery. She says, you'll be bound securely in the bundle of the living. Powerful imagery. It's the language that you use to, uh, like a wallet or a purse where you put something valuable in it and you wrap the cords around it and then you tuck it in your belt because it's so valuable. She's saying that even though someone's trying to steal you, your life is tucked away safely in God's wallet or a purse. If your wife has ever asked you to get something out of her purse, I just get insecure because I don't know what's in there. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. 
And if it doesn't come out in five seconds, like, why, why can't you find it? Because I, there's a lot of things in here. It's tucked away safe in the, <laughs> in the living. It's, it's just so tucked away. And then when she opens it, she goes, look, no hand, no, not even looking. She's like, here it is. See? Simple. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way for me. I get confused. I get insecure. Bound securely in the bundle of the living. She uses this language to say, gosh, David. She speaks to his future. How God's going to protect him. How God's going to look after him. How God has been doing that. Because she's aware that he's being chased by Saul too. Everyone does. And then she says, she closes out this final statement. He will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. In other words, talking about, you know, um, his enemies, she, he will, they will get hurled away. And she uses this word, and it's the word sling. Yeah. And I, have, I can't imagine David not being reminded of when he was 15 years old. He trusted God. He was close to God. He was an honorable man. He killed Goliath. I mean, she just took him back to the good times. Yeah. Abigail's so smart, so intelligent. She said, I, I, I'm going to speak to your future, but I also want to remind you of the time where, you know, you hurled that sling, and you're going to hurl your enemies like that sling. And he was completely dependent on God. And she asks, without asking, she starts to ask David, what kind of story do you want to tell later on? Da I mean, David's like butter in her hand. It's like melted butter. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he went from quiet, everyone's dead to, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. She says, she tells David, after everything God's going to give you, he promised you. She's asking David, is this the story you want to tell? Because God's going to give you what he promised. Do you want, do you want to tell this story about bloodshed or do you want to tell the story that, hey, I did not avenge myself. I did not have this burden of bloodshed on my hands. And when God gives you success, she says in the last verse, and when the Lord God has, given, has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. Wow. I mean, David just comes, you just see, start, start, and if it was a movie, he starts to come back to his senses. He's like, wait a minute. She's right. Wow. I haven't thought this way. His, his temperature's dropping. His focus on God is lifting. Wow, what a woman. What a story. And David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment. Thank you for not keeping it to yourself. 
and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Thank you for talking sense into me when I wanted to kill. Thank you. And David accepted from her hand what she had brought him. And he said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. David went from you all going to die today to thank you for helping me not kill anyone. What a transition. In one conversation in a ravine with his men ready for battle, with his sword strapped to his side, with the determination that Nabal will die today. And when Abigail went to Nabal, she goes back home. See, cuts and goes. She goes back home. He was in the house holding a huge banquet because it was a party. They got paid like that of a king. He was in high spirits, and he was very drunk. And she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Just again, a little wisdom. You don't want to go into a situation where someone's been drinking too much. That's probably not a good time to say, I just rescued the family. Not a good time. He'll start saying, who, my paycheck's bigger than yours. You know, that's not a good argument, guys. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things. And his heart failed him and he became like a stone. And ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. I can't help when you read this story, I think about the new, some New Testament things that are said. When God says in Romans, do not take revenge. It is mine to avenge. Here's a good example. Here's a good example. God actually does things like that. When you resist to the bloodshed, God says, don't do it. Let me do it. I'm, I'm better at it than you. I'm really, really good at it. You can get sloppy. I'm precise. That's what, this is a story that speaks to that. God's in control. So, Nabal's dead. What happens in the story? Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. Well, how about that? I mean, she did say, remember me. That's what she said. Remember me, Lord, when all this is, like, almost like she knew. Remember me. David remembered you always remember an amazing woman, right? And so Abigail quickly got her donkey. She wrecked Why didn't I get a horse? I mean, come on. Attended by her five servants, went with David's messengers and became his wife. What a story. I mean, this should make the Disney movie. This is good stuff. So like I said, there's three characters in the story. There's Nabal. And there's three responses. Nabal, he's, he's the character. He categorizes, I'm going to give you evil for good. He's maniacal. He's greedy. He's corrupt. And then there's David. I want evil for evil. That's predictable. You know, in those times of the Old Testament, that was actually normal. Yeah, it was. 
It was an eye for an eye. It was bloodshed for bloodshed. It was normal. So David's response was just predictable. He was going to kill somebody. But Abigail, she was good for evil. She was remarkable. Her judgment was remarkable. Her humility was remarkable. She was ahead of her time. I mean, this is an Old Testament story where this is normal bloodshed, but in the New Testament, the New Covenant, it switches. It turns around. It turns the Old Testament on its head sometimes. Because there's this apostle, Peter, who saw Jesus, and he writes this to the Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. He writes, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Don't be predictable. That's, that's, that's just our nature. It's so predictable. When I was in the army in boot camp, we were competing with platoons who would have the honor of having the most, the, the, the coveted ribbon. And so during boot camp, everyone was competing and you, got, you were getting, you were getting uh, reviewed, watched, points, you know, uh, points taken away. It was very competitive. And one of our guys that recycled back into our platoon for failing uh, the two-mile run, did not perform well and failed its two-mile run test. And so we were insulted because we were encouraging him. We were kind. We were nice. And then he didn't try. So our response was Old Testament. <laughs> it, was, it was normal, natural. While he slept, we snuck up underneath him. We held him down. And we beat him. That's what we did. You know, like, it felt natural. It felt normal. That's the Old Testament. That's, that's what it feels like. I don't have any qualms just hurting people. And, Dave, and Peter's saying, wait a minute. There's a new paradigm. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Peter says, if you're a Christian, you were called to this. I'm not proud of the things I've done. But when I met the scriptures, it radically changed how I viewed being insulted. How I viewed offenses. He says, you'll never be blessed if you do it in a predictable way. In a carnal way. And then Peter, a thousand years later after David, when David was writing, you know, reflecting in poetry and, and writing about his relationship with God and writing about what he learned, Peter actually quotes David and says, Whenever, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good and they must seek peace and pursue it. Peter is quoting David because his story was different. And I think it was different because of the Abigail incident. I think he started to go, wait a minute, there's a better way. And it was still the old covenant. And then Peter, the writer, sees Jesus being insulted. And the Bible says when they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. Not even to a single charge. Man, I have so much to go to be like Jesus. 
But that's what we were called to be. That's the calling. You can be maniacal, you can be predictable, or you can be remarkable. And I want to be remarkable. And I think the church wants to be remarkable. Abigail and David, what an amazing story. I hope out of all this, but you're like, I'm going to go back and read this again. I mean, I skipped over stuff because there's just a lot there. But if you just take some time and just kind of just work through the text, it's amazing stuff. Because of David's hope in God, because of Abigail's hope in God, look what happens. They see clearly. They act confidently. And they walk humbly. The story of David and Abigail. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great afternoon. Amen. Let's stand and sing.